On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we dive deep into the transfer portal. Who's visiting? Who have they already met with? Who are the top targets and who would be the dream transfers for KU to have in, at least as of now, before the transfer portal gets even more wild and wacky? You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence, your flagship station in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. On today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're going to be diving into the transfer portal. Uh, UConn wins the title. We are now officially into the offseason of college basketball. It already has been for a few weeks for Kansas, but you know, now it really ramps up. And we saw yesterday in the transfer portal really ramped up with some of the entries of the names. I don't know. Maybe there's going to be some more big entries that come out because um, I'm recording this Tuesday morning by the time this even posts or by the time you listen to this to where it could, you know, add some more names or could change some stuff up. Maybe there will be some new visits uh, scheduled for KU by the time that you listen to this. It It's all going to move rather quickly in certain regards. Other areas might be, you know, a month or two before uh, you hear commitments from certain players like we had Kevin McCuller, Remy Martin toward the kind of uh, middle to end of May. And you're also waiting on, you know, possible NBA decisions. So uh, it's going to move fast and slow at the same kind of period of time. Um, and so what I want to go into here, we're going to like, what is KU looking for? Player targets that either they're going after or just kind of a recap of different media outlets that have said oh they've heard from kansas something like that and then maybe who my favorite would be at the top to finish things off uh, let's start with what ku is looking for here i think at this point in time so you obviously have dewan harris um kj adams back as starters ernest uday zuby edgefer right now are back at the center position at the moment kyle cuff is back for you as a backup guard now that doesn't mean that you know all the that that like kyle cuff ends up sticking around what if he sees ku bring in a you know combo guard transfer and now he knows oh no dewan harris el marco jackson and the combo guard transfer are in front of me now i'll, I'll transfer out you don't you don't know what's gonna happen there um but I guess right now, like we haven't seen him transfer out. So maybe that means he's leaning towards sticking around. And um, I will say, you know, if if he does end up leaving, it opens up a scholarship and gives KU some options in the transfer portal. But if he ends up sticking around, like there's nothing wrong with that. I think uh, the idea that, you know, so many people are are upset with the transfer portal. But then as soon as, as a player would be like, no, you know, what? I want to prove you wrong. I want to try to compete and work my way up and you know, I like being here. I, I want to be someone who uh, proves myself on the court and that I think I'm better than I've been able to show because of a red shirt and an injury the next season that I want to prove you wrong, that I want to be a competitor. There's nothing wrong with that. That should be applauded, if anything, in this day and age. I don't think there's anything wrong with the transfers and, and the transfer portal, but it should also applaud the players like that that are willing to stick around for that. So if Kyle Cuff wants to stay, I, th I think that's great. Um, but anyway. So as of right now, with those five players, then the four freshmen you you bring in, that would leave you with three scholarships. Grady Dick obviously going pro. We haven't heard yet from Jalen Wilson. You assume he's going to go pro. Kevin McCuller, there's starting to be some talk about, like, could he come back? 
Now, I, I still assume that he's going to go pro. I still have it heavily weighted that I would assume he's going to go pro. But maybe that is more of a conversation now that we should be having. And maybe we'll have an episode later on about the pros and cons for him of going pro or coming back to school at Kansas. Um, but that means that you could have three scholarships. It means you could have two if hypothetically Kevin were to return. So if you have three scholarships and Kevin does go, you're going to be looking at for sure bringing on a wing maybe a combo guard or somebody who at the very least, if they're a combo guard can play minutes at the two that can take up some of those wing minutes. Cause you've been playing a lot of wings at the two and then a big man. Now, if Kevin does come back, do they go after a wing? I, I don't know. At that point, you'd only have two scholarships. It's hard for me to say they wouldn't still go after a wing though. Cause you're losing a lot of firepower on the wing. Um, but some of the bigger transfers that entered yesterday are kind of combo guards. So I almost view it as like, you know, Bill Self, maybe ideally now he would like to play three big wings next to a point guard. But you know he is going to be flexible with the roster. That I think it's more just about get the best players and then adjust the lineup from there. So like you saw LJ Cryer and Max Acemas enter the portal yesterday. If originally you were like, you know, I'd like to give that scholarship to a wing who can score for us and rebound, but then you're like, but man, those are like two of the best players in the portal and they would help us with shooting and scoring. You just say, okay, we'll just go with that and we'll go back to maybe the two guard lineup that we've been comfortable playing, you know, maybe in the mid 2000s. So um, I, I think it probably is a bit dependent on just get the best players you can and then adjust from there. But I don't think it's going to be a situation where it's like you're going to bring on two centers or, or whatever. Um, so I do think when you look at the, the wing minutes, those two through four positions, you could be playing El Marco Jackson for 20, 25 minutes at the two. If KJ Adams moves to the four, he could be playing, you know, 20 minutes at the four position, maybe a few more minutes at the five as well. Um, so that would mean that you realistically would have about 80 minutes. Does Marcus Adams take any of those? Does Chris Johnson take any of those? those just where you really don't need as much wing minutes as you would have thought like when you see all those possibly you know two or three players going with Grady Dick Jalen Wilson and Kevin McCuller your immediate thought is wow we're gonna need three wings to replace them you might only end up needing one realistically with the minute allotment that comes from the current roster construction that this team could have which does make it okay that you could bring on a wing a center and a combo guard who can play two minutes or you could bring on two wings. But um, I do definitely think they would bring on one wing for sure if Kevin's gone. It would get more interesting if if he were to come back. I think stylistically, um, you're looking for players who can just score for you. At the center position, that might be a little different. I think at the center position, they're mostly looking for guys that can come in and push the young centers, Ernest and Zuby, and maybe can be a mentor to them, be a little older guys, because they didn't really have that this past season. I would like, realistically, if you're going to bring in a center, this is just me speaking, somebody who can score back to the basket. Because in my eyes, I think Ernest Uday and Zuby Edgefer can be competent enough, and if they take a step forward next season, can be really good at both the rebounding and rim protection portion of things. Uh, we heard there, you know, that there were some issues with setting ball screens for those guys, and you know, maybe getting lost in, in on the defensive side of the ball at times, being in space and stuff, or. 
not have a, uh, you want to have somebody who can be a back to the basket score for you. So for me, if you're going to bring on another center, that would be the trait that I would be looking for. Um, I think at the the wing position, you might be looking for somebody who's versatile, can defend a little bit, can rebound, can play up in size if they do have to play on the four. Um, I, I do think it's important they have to be able to hit threes. That doesn't necessarily mean they have to be able to hit them at a 40% rate if you're bringing on someone who's playing the four, but they have to be able to hit them at, you know, low 30s percent something like that if you're bringing on a combo guard it better be somebody who can knock down threes if you're not going to bring on a combo guard and you're going to give that other scholarship to another wing it better be somebody who can knock down threes and that's the biggest thing to me with just all this what i'm mostly looking at that kansas brings in via the transfer portal get guys who can score the basketball whether that's they're able to shoot really well or they can create their own shot off the bounce those were two things that were in in totality for this past year's Kansas team, and you saw the result. And I know there's going to be certain guys where it's like, yeah, they're really good on offense, but I don't know how good they are on defense. Guess what? Kansas has Dewan Harris, KJ Adams, Ernest Duday for rim protection next season. Zuby is a backup for rim protection. That is a good base defensively to where even if you have you know a bad defender or two in that lineup with them, sure, it might not be a top five defense but it still should be like a top 10, top 15 defense in the country. You need scoring. You can take a hit a little bit on the defensive end. And, and the teams with better offenses are the ones that, like UConn was a good defense. They were top 20, but they were top five offense. So, like, I, I just view that as being more important. Uh, for instance, two years ago, you had the base of having Marcus Garrett and Yudoka Azubuki defensively. Not saying they have that this year, but you added Isaiah Moss, who wasn't a great defender, but he could hit threes for you because you needed more offense on the court. That's how I view this team. Just get offense and worry about the rest later because I do think you have enough insulation on the defensive side of the ball. All right. Um, I also think I'll add this in there. I think they're mostly looking for power five guys. I think there are some some exceptions. Or power five is the wrong word. Whatever it is, like power six, that includes like the, I think power seven, I don't know, Big East, like AAC, I think is close enough on that that would be fine um there might be some exceptions but i think mostly they want power five guys anyway uh this episode is brought to you by built bar the built march madness bracket is here we know you have a favorite bar or puff so now's your time to make it count go to builtmarchmadness.com to vote for your favorites support your bar or puff and when you vote for your favorite bar or puff you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners will get a free box of built that sounds pretty cool and not only that but one locked on listener will win a 12 month subscription to have built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You gotta try built's built the best protein bar ever. They're so amazing. You won't think they're good for you, but they are. They are high in protein. They're low in sugar covered in hundred percent real chocolate. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff. Pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. All right, on to the player target section of this. So this is, uh, again, as of Tuesday morning, there, there might be more stuff that pops up from here on, and I guess we'll get to that as we go. Um, there is a long list of players that you will see on Twitter that different, like either media members, reporters, whoever will just say like, this player is heard from, and then it's like a list of like 15, 20 schools. And you'll see Kansas pop up on some of those. Uh, here's some of those that, um, that you've seen Caden Shedrick, 
who I do think KU has like real interest in. I don't know where he would slot in terms of the center options that KU is interested in, but it's certainly one that I think they're they're going after. Um, he is a good rim protector, a good rim runner. He had good synergy numbers in his points per possession in post-ups, but it's a very limited sample size, so it's not as much his game, but he also didn't play as much as Virginia. Toward the end of the season, he got more run. He had 15 and 13 in the NCAA tournament. I think he would be a... He, he's not the, the type of center I would go after because I would want a back-to-the-basket pure scorer, but he could be a good, like, he would be the Tarek Black to Joel Embiid. He would be that, I think, to Ernest Uday of helping him develop and showing him some good things to do. So I I, I think that would be a good pickup for KU. Uh, Davion McKnight from Western Kentucky. He's kind of a combo guard, not a great three-point shooter, so I don't know the fit totally. I think when you're looking at some of these combo guards, they have to be guys, though, that are comfortable where if they happen to come off the bench, can they be a scoring guard for you off the bench, and are they content with that? Because if, in the end, it is Dewan Harris starting next to uh, Marco Jackson, you know, the, the backup guard has to be okay with that. But obviously they come in with the expectation that you tell them, yeah, you're going to compete with El Marco Jackson for that other starting spot, but you know, you, you would hope that would be the case. DJ Horn is one that's kind of interesting from Arizona State. He's a, a guy who can create his own shot. Um, not the most consistent three-point shooter, but you think maybe in a better system where maybe he's getting more shots created for him, those numbers would go up a little bit. So he's one that that I've kind of circled because he fits the billing of being able to create his own shot. TJ Bamba, Washington State. He's kind of in the ilk of the Kevin McCuller, Remy Martin. He's testing in the NBA draft process, but he's entered the portal. And if he decides to come back, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, I think that he's the type of guy who can hit threes really well. He can drive in a straight line drive. Uh, he's a solid defender. Uh, he's he, he could just be a really good role player on a good team, which I think would be kind of perfect for KU. Dalton Connect is a Northern Colorado transfer who is like a 6'7 wing. This one you would be taking a bit of a risk on how he translates up to the high major level, but really good shooter, can score in a myriad of different ways. Certainly interesting because it would fill wing minutes for you. There was some uh, reported reaching out or whatever to Reese Dixon Waters, who was the sixth man of the year in the Pac-12. Not a great shooter at USC, but can score. If he's content coming off the bench, then that could be okay. Back to that earlier conversation I was just having about El Marco and Dewan for KU. But also, is he transferring because he wants to be a starter? You don't totally know all that. Now, I will say, um, before I continue on with this, when you see those lists of like, has heard from or reported interest, received interest, there's no idea what level that is. That could just be the the phone, the coach said like, hey, we're, we were just monitoring like if you had any interest. And they could be way down on the board for Kansas of where they're going. I've also seen this before where in the past there's been like transfers who, you know, put Kansas on their finalist list of like three or four, even though Kansas had no contact with the kid just to try to make their decision look more. I don't know. Get more publicity maybe would be the word to, to put around it. Um, so do take all this with a grain of salt. But yeah, Kawasia Reeves, like that was reported interest. That's one that I don't know how hard Kansas is pushing for, but you're talking about kind of a bigger guard wing type that can play up and down the lineup. Jalen Cook for Tulane, there's a guy that can create his own shot and score a lot. I don't know that the fit is super great uh with him and Dewan and being a smaller guard. And uh, would he be content? possibly coming off the bench in that scenario i don't know but certainly a very talented kid that would be very good for ku walter clayton jr is a uh kind of transfer crush of mine i i don't know that it's trending toward ku being the school uh, 
just going to St. John's with his former coach, Rick Pitino, or going back home to Florida seem to be like the likely options there. But he's a really good shooter, 95% on free throws. Uh, I guess there was some reported interest there, but you know, I, I don't know that that one's being pressed super hard. Cario Oquendo was somebody who was, there was some reported interest from Georgia athletic guard scores high numbers, but not a great three point shooter. So to me, I don't view that one as being too logical there. Um, Caleb Mills, he uh, played at Houston, then in Florida state. He is just kind of a, he would be a transfer that it's kind of like mashed potatoes. It's not like a super sexy transfer, but he'll come in. He would play good minutes for you. Defends pretty well. Pretty good three-point shooter. Doesn't jump off the page in a lot of areas, but he would just be a solid pickup for you. So that one I would kind of buy into as being like maybe a you know a second-tier target for KU. That would make some sense. As far as some of the targets that there have been reported meetings or Zoom calls or scheduled visits to this point, um, the first one is there is a scheduled visit upcoming this weekend for Nicholas Timberlake. This guy is is near the top of the list for me in terms of guys I would take. As I said, you know, I don't know that Timberlake profiles to being the best defender for you, but you should have a good insulation and defense with the rim protection of Uday Zubi, with KJ at the four, with Dewan Harris leading the point of attack at the point guard position, with having some athletic freshmen coming in that, you know, should be able to at least be like solid on ball defenders with their athleticism and length to where I'm not as concerned with the defense, especially on a Bill Self coach team. Right, this should have the insulation to at least be a top 20 defense next season. So how are you going to figure out the offense? That's the most important question to me. Timberlake is arguably the best three-point shooter in the portal. He can hit him off movement. He can hit him off the catch. He can hit him off a few dribbles. I think that would be so valuable for KU. Now, Grady Dick is obviously a better talent than Nicholas Timberlake. That's why he's going to get taken as a lottery pick, and Nicholas Timberlake is not. Um, Nicholas Timberlake, though, is a six-year player. You could make the argument that Nicholas Timberlake next season would be a more impactful player than Grady Dick for Kansas. And I I don't want that to sound like blasphemy. Here's why. Grady Dick, again, better potential, better potential. And if Grady Dick were to be a six-year player like Nicholas Timberlake, obviously you would assume he would be better. But one thing that plagued Grady Dick this year, and, and he's a freshman, he had an unbelievable season as a freshman. It took Ochag Baji till his senior year to figure this out, right? You don't fault the kid. It's just hard playing college basketball as a young player and learning the intricacies of not just making the threes, but getting open for them and, you know, moving off the ball and dealing with being face guarded. Some of the tough things that he didn't see at the high school level, the Nicholas Timberlake, I don't really have those questions. So there's certain areas that you could actually get a better three point shooter from in this, like Grady Dick shot, I think like 36% in conference play. You know, Nicholas Timberlake is a really, really good shooter. He is like at the top or toward the top of the list if you're going to bring on a scoring wing for me. Um, and I, he's kind of a two-guard type. So um, that is one that's very interesting with his visit scheduled. Primo Spears put KU in his list of, I think they're scheduling like a Zoom meeting or something for Tuesday or Wednesday. He was in the final four or KU was in the final four for him. I think that's interesting. He cut it down to the final four before having like the Zoom meeting. Um, I don't know that that fit is great. He would have to possibly sit out a year. The NCAA said they're going to crack down on these second time transfers. He's not a graduate. They're not going to give out waivers if your coach was fired. So I don't know what the waiver would be for him. He might have to sit out. I, I don't know. We'll see how the NCAA approaches that. But um, he's he's just a good guard overall, but he's kind of more of a point guard. I, I don't know that the fit's great there. Uh, Graham EK from Wyoming, a Zoom meeting. 
that one sounds like maybe there's other schools that are more likely for EK, but he is certainly someone who I said back to the basket score. I mean, he was at Wyoming and he averaged 19 and, and 10, basically put up big numbers against Trace Jackson Davis in the NCAA tournament. He would be a huge get for me. Um, and that was a Wyoming offense that their whole offense was posting up. So that would be a big one. Jamil Reynolds, that caught some people off guard. They had a uh, in-home with him, the Temple big man. But this one makes sense to me because he's the type of center that can come in, compete with Ernest and Zuby. He might start, he might not. You know, he averaged like 11 and 6, kind of modest numbers on a not great Temple team. But you watch some of the film, shot over 60%, good back to the basket game. Got a little bounce to him, big dude. Um, I think he would be a good change of pace to have coming off the bench, you know, behind Ernest Dude that can be a back to the basket score and would give you more big man depth. So I, I wouldn't hate it. You know, if you, if you have the option, Graham E.K. or Jamil Reynolds or, you know, another guy we're about to get to here shortly, then yeah, you take that. But I don't hate it as a backup option. Khalif Battle is also something very interesting. Seems like KU may be cooling a little bit on this. Um, and there have been a lot of thoughts like, oh, he's going to go to UCF or whatnot. But can create his own shot. We talked about this with Nick Short last week. Really good score. He would make a lot of sense for KU. And then there's three guys who we haven't seen a, a ton of reported interest necessarily, or they just entered the portal, but I'm sure KU does have interest and they are reaching out in some way. And these are the three, to me, biggest portal entries. Hunter Dickinson, the big man from Michigan. Now, there's a an article from uh, the Maryland 24-7 Sports that said, uh, like, Kansas was basically a school to watch out for, and, and I don't know, they might, like, have the ire of Hunter Dickinson. That'd be great to go to Dick from, from Dick to Dickinson. And he would be such a perfect fit for KU because you could play him next to KJ. He shot 42% from threes on limited attempts last year. That You could have that balance between the two elite post score, which would be great for Bill South can pass out of the post. That would be about as perfect of a fit as you can imagine. Um, so that's one to watch LJ Cryer transferring for Baylor. I don't know the interest for him to come into KU, but Hey, he would solve all of KU's issues, being somebody who can grade his own shot, hit three-point shots from the outside. And Max Aismas, the same thing for Oral Roberts. Both those guys, to me, are on the same tier. Like, Aismas has the better numbers, but Cryer also played in a power five. Aismas played at Oral Roberts. But if you could get any of those three, that would be a gigantic, gigantic haul for you in the transfer portal. And with just those names of Cryer and Aismas entering yesterday, Maybe there's going to be more to come for KU, but those are the main three to me that I'm certainly circling in addition to probably Nicholas Timberlake. Let's finish up with my favorite targets. This is Locked on Jayhawks. So my favorites right now, of the ones that they have had meetings with or Zooms with, Nick, Nick Timberlake is my favorite or, or will have visits, I guess, because his visit's upcoming. Um, he would be number one for me. Uh, Graham E.K. would probably be number two, but Without a doubt, if you if you just had the option, let's say this was just like the grocery store and you had your option of, you know, what are you picking up for dinner tonight? Um, to me, option number one would be either LJ Cryer or Max Aismas. I, I, I don't know which one I would, I would totally go with. I guess Cryer, because you don't have to worry about it, it jumping up to the, the Power 5 level and how would that work out. Um, and also, that would be funny to make Baylor fans mad. So, uh yeah, pr probably Cryer would be number one for me. He would solve a lot of your scoring questions. Um, but also, I don't know, you could convince me Hunter Dickinson because you do get into the question of, well, are you going to play three little guards together with El Marco, Cryer, and Duan? And maybe you could because Duan's a good enough defender. El Marco with his length and athleticism 
you know, you could play him at the three for, for minutes of the game and have LJ cry at the two. And heck, Baylor played those three little guards together. So I don't think that would be that crazy to be able to do that. Um, but Dickinson would be such a perfect fit for KU. Bill Self wants the back to the basket big again and somebody you can run through the post. Well, how about Hunter Dickinson, who legitimately, like, we have not seen a transfer, I don't think, that's come in and been like, yeah, if he goes to the right situation, he could win National Player of the Year. Hunter Dickinson comes to Kansas. He could put up 19 and 10 on a top 10 team and seriously win National Player of the Year, which would be crazy because then that would get in the argument of could this one-year player get his jersey retired at KU? If he won National Player of the Year, like how would he not, right? Uh, but that's a story for another day, and you have to get him first before you do any of that. Um, and then, of course, there's there's so many others that are interesting that, that maybe reported interest hasn't happened yet because do keep this in mind. The Kevin McCuller one kind of came out of the dark. Kevin McCuller was going through the NBA draft process. We hadn't really heard much. And then all of a sudden he popped out like a, a thing on Twitter that was like, I'm going through the draft process. Um, if I decide to come back, I'm entering the transfer portal and I'm between Gonzaga and Kansas. And it was just like out of the blue, all of a sudden Kansas is a finalist for this kid. So they like to work in the shadows a little bit. So keep that in mind. There could be some players out there who you think are good transfers who you haven't seen like, oh, have they set up a visit or do they have interest in? And they might have interest and you just haven't heard about it. Or maybe a player that, you know, maybe is entering the portal and is making that known through back channels, but hasn't officially done it yet. So keep all that in mind. There could be more names to come, but Certainly. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, I just sneezed there. Um, certainly some interesting ones to keep an eye on for KU already. And yeah, if you get one of Dickinson Cryer Asmus, is a home run win to begin with. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Locked On Jayhawks. We'll be back uh I think on Thursday. We're not gonna have a show on Wednesday, but we'll have some KU football spring catch-up and then KU football spring showcase preview. You can find our podcast wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can give us a subscribe on YouTube as well. See you next time on Locked on